Life can take us on unexpected paths that leave us with emotional wounds and scars. But these scars do not have to be a burden that we carry alone. I'm Jocelyn Biederset, a childhood sexual assault survivor, and this is Invisible Scars, a podcast where we connect and learn from those who have come out stronger on the other side of trauma. Today, I am so excited to be sitting down with my husband, Brent, where we talk about our relationship, how my trauma has impacted our relationship, and how Brent has been able to support me throughout this healing journey. We get into his advice and take on what it's like to be a partner on the other side, trying to navigate everything that goes with it. When I came to you and said, I'm going to launch a podcast, did you ever think I would make you be a guest? Uh, No, I'd hope not. But (laughs) But here we are. But here I am, yeah. Honestly, I'm actually very excited for this episode. I think it's so important. I think it's not talked about a lot what it's like for somebody on your side of things. So helping me navigate my trauma, helping me, you know, process it, go through the therapy, go through the whole healing experience. And it's, it's hard on you as well. No, it is important. I mean, I'll be honest, when we first talked about you starting all this and I, there was so many unknowns and what I seen watching you go through all this was overwhelming. And I don't think I could have done it just on my own without doing my own process. Totally. And we're going to get into that. That's why I want to have this conversation today because it's hard on your side, like really hard. Yeah. There's so many unknowns. You don't know if your partner is going to change completely. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So, but before we do, as you know, because you're my biggest fan, you're my number one supporter of my podcast. Every episode, we start with you, the guest, telling us something that you do every day to help you get through the hard times, some mantras that you say every day to keep your your head on straight, as we say in our house. So what do you do? What do you do, honey? I never used to do much. I used to just get out of bed and go about my day. I did start sort of telling myself that it was going to be a good day or I was going to actually just make sure I accomplished or felt productive every day. That's a big thing for me. Totally. We actually have worked on that a lot together because actually I'm going to say, I'll call you out a little bit. The other morning you woke up looking to fight and I was like, (laughs) I was like, say it over and over again. Today is going to be a good day because it helps. Don't you actually think that saying those things to yourself over and over actually changes the trajectory of your day? I think I've actually learned a lot in this process and believe I'm buying into a lot more than I used to. I know you used to think I was crazy. I was a skeptic. Yeah, you were, you were definitely a skeptic. So something that I do, which I've actually like probably talked about a lot on this podcast, but just leaning into really what my body needs and resting when I need to rest without guilt. Like you actually give me the permission to do that, which I don't know that we always gave each other before this whole process, but there are days where I'm like, I I can't, like, I don't want to go and do X, Y, Z today. I, I literally am so tired and I need to rest because when you're healing from something really traumatic, it's freaking exhausting. No, I believe it. And I watched, watched you go through it. I'm a firm believer in an afternoon nap if you need one. So <laughs> what did Leighton say the other day? She's like, mom, it's three o'clock and you haven't napped yet. What's going on? Yeah. But it's just like the season I'm in. Like if I'm tired, I'm going to rest because the emotional work I'm doing is intense, right? For sure. So I just kind of want everyone to get to know us a little bit, our background, you know, how we kind of came to the point that we're at right now. So for those of you who don't know, there's a bit of an age difference here between us. I'm definitely the younger one, (laughs) which you love when I tell people, but I'm just going to say it. I'm younger than you. I'm okay with that. I'm much younger than you. You're a certain amount. I'm a certain amount younger than you. 
12 to 13 years, but it's fine. No. Nope. So, There's yes. No 13. Okay. What well, that's an argument for another time. 11, One thing is like when we first met, I was very young. I was like what, 21? 2. I was 21. We have this argument all the time. Regardless, I was in my very early 20s. I was in probably not a great place emotionally or mentally, and I had a hard time trusting men. But for whatever reason, the second I met you, I trusted you immediately. Like you were like my complete safe space from the second I met you. And it was like, it was like coming home. It was, I never felt safer in my life. No, I, I mean, there was an instant connection. I, yeah, I come from a different side and I was probably not in my best either, but um, there was definitely a connection with you, like right from the start. Totally. It was like undeniable, which timing was not my strong point. <laughs> timing was not your strong point, but here we are. So yeah. we'll, we'll get into that another day, but I instantly felt safe with you. You always made me feel that way. And I think that like I shared what had gone on with me really early on in our relationship. Yeah. I can, I can still remember the time. Yeah. Remember the day. Yeah. It was just like immediate that I felt like I had to share it with you. And just like being somebody who's, because we had very different backgrounds. Like you lived in the same house your entire life. Your parents are still together to this day. You lived tons of friends in your neighborhood. Like we couldn't have grown up more different. So with me sharing something like that with you and never experiencing something like that in your life, what was that like for you? I just sort of listened and took it. Like I didn't, it didn't bring anything negative out of me. It just you felt right. You were the person I was supposed to meet. I mm -hmm. don't know why. I don't know how. I just, that's how it felt. Did you feel a need to like protect me? Did it make you uncomfortable? What did it do to you? I can't explain it. It didn't even phase me. It just, it felt like it was part of the, part of the journey. I don't know why. Mm -hmm. I think that it showed up a lot early on in our relationship. No, definitely. I mean, I think there were, you were under a lot of stress and so was I, but we, I think we handle stress differently. I just, I don't know where I bottled my stress or what I did. I just, back then I didn't know how to process stress. I sort of kept everything inside and. We were bad at communicating back then. Yeah. Also though, I have to say, like we were talking about this the other day about that time in our life and how I had insomnia for like years and I couldn't sleep and I had intense anxiety attacks, panic attacks. And literally in the middle of the night, you would be up with me while I'm having a panic attack and can't sit still running me a bath or putting me in the shower. Like you really carried me through those years emotionally. I tried. I mean, I was, I was all in. It's just, it was, some days were overwhelming and looking back on that and realizing some of the stuff we went through. Mm-hmm mind-blowing yeah like even back then like I literally had a nervous breakdown like we went to the hospital like it was a whole thing that I wasn't handling very well and I'm so curious for you to share with everybody like what that did to you emotionally what was that like I mean you must have had moments where you're like I'm out of here this is too much I don't know how to explain it like mostly I didn't I carried it inside until if I was in a confrontational situation or You'd blow. I'd let it out at my parents or I'd let it out, but not even, they would have no idea why mm -hmm. I was acting the way I was. And it's just, I couldn't, I didn't tell anybody. I just lived it. You know what? That's interesting too, because we've talked about that so much on this podcast about how people try so hard not to show, you know, their sadness or their trauma and pretend like everything on the outside is totally fine. And we did that for years. Like we literally pretended 
everything was fine. But behind closed doors, I was having panic attacks. You were feeling alone. Like we were having a really hard time. For sure. But that's people, when people don't know what's going on on the inside, they, they make judgments. They, they make their own assessments of what they think is going on in your life. Yes. I felt I had something to prove in the beginning. Um, I've definitely turned a corner on that where I don't feel that at all. And it's just, I guess it was growing. It was being in a relationship with an age gap like we have. Um, there's just part, some of it works so, so well. And some of it takes some effort and it's just part of the part of the relationship. Totally. I think it honestly made us stronger. Like we battled a lot over the years and then we'll, we'll fast forward a little bit here soon just to like how we got to where we are right now. But like in those early years, we had a lot going against us. But on top of that, I was also dealing with my own unhealed trauma that I was trying to ignore. And all of these things that were happening around us were like completely triggering. For, well, exactly. And I didn't, I mean, I understood. I, I mean, I knew some of what you had talked about, but I never understood the magnitude of it. I just... Well, I'm going to stop you there because there's one reason. It's because you would always say to me... So here's a common fight that we always had previous to all of this. <laughs> Which one, right? No, but honestly, like our common fight would be, I would be triggered by something... And I would get upset with you being like, why are you so dumb? Like, obviously that would trigger me. I'd be so hurt by you. You'd be like, okay, but Jesslyn, like, I don't see that trauma. Like you function day to day, totally fine. And then suddenly you blow, like you don't show your scars. I didn't grow up that way. I didn't recognize it. And then we can be on a normal day. Everything's so good. And then something will trigger you that I just, I did not recognize. I didn't see that coming. I didn't. And then I'm trying to put the flames out, trying to, trying to keep but up. I'm also, that's the other thing. I'm trying to fix it when I'm, that's something I learned in all of this is that I don't need to fix it. That was a big, that's, I think that's what changed everything yeah. for me. I do it with my kids. I do it everywhere. I've done it. That's what I, that what was my whole life is I'll just try and fix the problem. And, but that's, not the answer. Yeah. And I spent so much time hiding it. And then when I blow, you want to run in and fix it while also not understanding what the problem even is. Like, I remember like you just being so freaking confused about what had even happened, probably thinking I'm crazy, probably calling me crazy. Like we're like any other couple, we didn't have healthy coping mechanisms in the beginning and we have learned a lot to say the least. To say the least. Yeah. Leading up to like the last year and a half, I've talked about in my first episode, just we kind of had some life-altering things happen in the last year that really transformed our life for the better, which we didn't actually think was the case in the beginning, but really for the better. We just kind of had a really unfortunate experience with some friends that threw me into this whole trajectory of trying to heal my past trauma. So I went to therapy for what had happened, which really unraveled all this stuff with trauma and my sexual abuse and my childhood that I needed to unravel. And I want to talk to you about what that was like watching it and what it was like going through it with me because it was a roller coaster. A uh, roller coaster is probably an understatement. I <laughs> literally, basically days of you locking yourself in a closet and or lying in bed and watching you do that. I think the biggest role for me was we had a nine-year-old, 10-year-old daughter living in the same vicinity. Like, there is no way I couldn't step up and handle that 
for you, yes. But for her watching, like there is no possible way I couldn't be the person I had to be to go through that. Mm -hmm. Well, you handled it so well. And I think too, in the beginning, like it's important to know, I went to therapy for this situation that we were going through with some friends, which blew up to losing other people in our life because of manipulation and other things that were going on. On top of that, I had very close family members that were suddenly going through something of their own where they weren't able to be a part of our life anymore. And we were being really hurt by that. And then like, it was just like over and over and over again, there were so many things that were happening that it was just like such a giant season of loss for us. And then on top of it, I'm about to launch a business. That was good. Timing was good. (laughs) And I like, I remember when I came to you and I was like, A, I can't live like this anymore. I think I need to be on medication and I need to deep dive into therapy. Like, this is what I need to do. Your reaction wasn't, yeah, let's do it. Your reaction was probably very typical to what it would be from other people, which is like, holy, the timing of this really sucks and I'm scared and I don't know if it's the right thing. Like, we didn't see eye to eye on that originally, which I think is like a common theme with couples when something like this happens. My biggest thing, yeah, and that's what I was always about. Oh, timing. Timing has got to be right. Let the planets align. Timing. We have to make everything work before we go into this. And honestly, that's not the case because there's never going to be a right time. Something's always going to come up like a trip to Paris. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. But honestly, the, the right time is when you feel ready. Yeah. I mean, and that was that was the right time for you. I didn't I didn't make that choice. Literally just said this is what's happening. And I finally figured it out that it was so necessary. And I think that's when I got started to get on board and realized that, yeah, we had, we had a few things go on, but I think, or during that timing. And then I think the trip to Paris, I think that's when I really decided I've got my own, my own shit to sort out. And that's when I started to catch on and be a helpful human being in this and realize I had to fix my own shit. Yeah, totally. And honestly, like looking back at those early days of when I was going through that, you're right. I was hiding in the closet. I couldn't get out of bed. You were holding me while I was hysterically crying. Like a lot of it was really, really dark, but you gave me the space to go through it. I don't know how, but you did. And I was in therapy once a week and which actually led to a conversation between you and I, where I was like, Brent, I actually think you need to go to therapy. (laughs) What was your reaction when I said that? Because I'll I'll backtrack a little bit. The reason I said it was because your fear, and you verbalized this to me, and I hope you're okay with me saying this, but your fear to me was that I was going to outgrow you through my healing. Yeah, I figured there wasn't going to be a place for me. I don't know. I don't know what I felt my role was in this, but I did. I mean, I did play the role of the or 11 and a half years older than you. (laughs) I did play that role. And it's... Your self-awareness, your your confidence, the way you carry yourself is mind-blowing. And that protector role, I think, it not so much took a back seat. It just took a different role. Like, it took a different direction. Which was also really different in our relationship because I've always been... Like, I can do this myself. I don't need you. I can handle this on my own. Don't you worry about me. Like, I've always had that because of the way I grew up. Like, I always had to look after myself. So the role reversal was a little bit uncomfortable. You're very resourceful. I'll give you that. (laughs) (laughs) So funny. So, yeah, when I came to you and was like, I think you need to go to therapy, were, were you immediately on board or were you like, no, I don't? 
I mean, I was okay with it. I just didn't know how to get started. I didn't know. I didn't fully understand like what all, like how to identify my hangups. I didn't go through trauma the same way you did. So to me, therapy was basically talking about my day to day or what was bugging me that day. I didn't really realize how deep you could dive into it, how childhood things or it. And I had a great childhood. Like that's, it wasn't that it was just, I think everything that I had gone through in my previous years, definitely stressing. And I don't think I ever processed it properly. And I think, yeah, but I think too, like what we were going through last year with everybody around us was really triggering for you. Like that was really hard for you in the midst of also watching me spiral. Yeah. I mean, losing friends, having no one to talk to, internalizing everything and keeping it to myself. Well, also just like the the lies and the manipulation that was going on around us. And we made the choice to not fight it. We made the choice to just let it be what it would be. And basically the people who really knew us and loved us were would stick around. I don't think that we expected the loss that we had. Definitely not. That was really hard. Yeah. yeah. And I think we're in a good place now with it, but it's been a hard freaking year about it. And I think even you going to counseling was the same reason I went was for that reason. And then it started to unravel things that you also needed to work on from your childhood and your past, which honestly, I fully believe that if one person is working on themselves, the other person has to too. Because like, just like you said, when you're with your fears, you were like, I'm afraid you're going to leave me behind. It's probably true because suddenly those toxic behaviors and those toxic people in your life and those relationships no longer fit. So if one person is moving on from that part of your life and the other person isn't, where do you connect again? Where do you find each other? So I, I do believe that it was completely necessary. It was. I mean, and you, I think you start realizing, well, you have to learn how to, how to be present for what's going on in front of you, but you also have to learn to realize that you're definitely not perfect. And I had my own demons to figure out and things to fix. And it actually worked out. I, I mean, to this day, I still talk to my therapist and it's I say that laughingly, but some days we talk about like I'm in I'm in a really good place when I talk to her and it's it's not a negative thing. It's actually just it's just someone to talk to. Validation. Yep. Right? Like positive validation, which I love. And I think too, like for people who are listening who are going through helping someone they love or care about, whether it's your partner, your friend, your parents, whoever it is, your your children, whatever. What is one piece of advice you would give to somebody who's supporting someone going through a traumatic experience or healing from a traumatic experience? The biggest piece of advice that I learned is you can't fix it. You need to just sit there and listen and literally listen to what they're saying see what they're going through and you do what you can to help, but you cannot fix it. It's, it was never my job to fix it. And I think that was, it took me forever to learn that. I also think too, and I don't know if you'd agree, but working on not being reactive. I think it's really important that when you laugh. I'm a very reactive person. You are a reactive person, but like you laugh, but it's true. Like it's hard when someone's going through something like this and processing trauma to not take things personally, because as the person on this side of it, who's trying to process it, sometimes things don't make sense in your head. Sometimes you go through these waves of distrust where I would like be like, I don't trust you. What's going on? Like, I can't, I'm not comfortable with this. When you're healing from it, you're learning new 
new coping mechanisms. You're learning to be comfortable with the peace. You're learning to be comfortable with safety. You're learning to trust which doesn't come easy. So there definitely were moments where I would be completely in my head and I would say things I didn't mean or tell you I didn't trust you. And it's hard not to take those things personally as the person on your side of it. No, that's totally true. But it's it's funny. It varies from day to day. Like if you're in a, you're in a, everything's going well and it's almost like you're blindsided with it. And I think that's just something to look at, like a look bigger picture. Every day is going to be different. and these scenarios will come up and your reactions, that's just it. Like not being reactive and just being patient and taking before you, before you answer, before you respond with a, with a, you're insane, just take a second (laughs) and literally just breathe before you answer because there's probably an easier way through it. Yeah. Take a beat and think about what you say before you say it, which is so hard. Like it definitely doesn't come naturally and we're still working on it. Like it's not to say that, oh, we've been going to therapy for over a year and now our our relationship is just like magic because that's not, we still fight. We still have emergency calls to our therapist and like we're still learning. For sure. And sometimes got to pick a fight just to keep things interesting. Like the other morning, you were trying to just pick a fight from 6 a.m. You believe that how far you've come and the things that you've learned through going to therapy and helping me through my situation has helped you so much more with the kids. Definitely. My youngest, because she's She's so intense. (laughs) She is, but she's, I I never used to, I would just react. I was never, I didn't realize, I didn't take into account her position on it. I didn't take into account what she was going through. I just didn't. It was always about where I was. If I had a shitty day at work or if I had, stress going on or anything like that, then I would unload on her and not even hear her where I think that's helped. Not, I'm not a hundred percent on it, but I'm, even if I figure it out five minutes later, at least I'm saying, you know what? I'm sorry. I reacted that way. Yeah. And then with my older daughter, absolutely amazing. And I think I feel my relationship with her is better than it's been since in years. I think I'm just more understanding with what she's going through. Same thing. Um, teenager, friends, the importance of hanging out with mom and dad, just not the same. And it's it's something I had to learn and come to terms with. And it's, I think it, our relationship has just grown so much more. Mm-hmm. You have changed so much in the last year. I loved you before, but like you have changed so much as a person. You are so much more supportive. Not that you weren't supportive before. You've always been incredibly supportive, but just like emotionally supportive. Like you're not afraid of the emotions that us girls that live in this house have anymore. Like you are much more equipped to handle them gently instead of making, I hate to say this, but like making the problem worse. (laughs) I've been known to do that for sure. Ask my mom. Right. (laughs) And I mean, you do make them worse sometimes, but honestly, you go there, but you come back a lot quicker because you have the tools to do it, right? Like, I think you've learned so freaking much. And I want to talk about, you know, how much we've both changed over the last year through the course of this, because I know that there's people listening who are like, I don't have the energy for therapy. I don't know where to begin. I'm too far gone, or it wasn't that bad for me, which honest to God, none of those things are true. 
Not one of those things are true. It's if you feel it, it was that bad for you. And it doesn't matter how long it's been. It's never too late. It took me 36 years to try and figure this out. And I have changed so much. And I want to talk about the trip I took to Paris. So we did an episode on this with Emily and Alicia, and I called it the most transformative trip of my life. I feel like that's an understatement. No, I think that it's amazing what it did for you. Because when I, I, I flew over to meet you and I didn't even recognize the person I, I walked in to see. Did not recognize you at all. Which is wild. Yeah. It was hard for you. It was a week. <laughs> I've been gone a week. It was hard for you though when I first when you first got there because I was so different. You were so I mean I was jet lagged and had just gone off. What was different about me? Way you carried yourself, your mannerisms, though just your whole aura about you. And I mean that's not a word I would throw around every day, but it's just things have changed like so much in my life now that just your presence, you had changed completely. Yeah. I think too, like, like it's important to note before we left, that is right when all this stuff kind of happened with our friends. So I was in bed, in a dark room, couldn't get out of bed, totally stressed, almost didn't go to Paris. Like there was so much going on. So the person I was when I left was completely freaking broken. Like I, my spirit was gone. I was emotionally drained. I was fucking exhausted. And then when you got there, yeah, it was probably was really, really different because I felt like a different person. And when we got home, I was like, I can't live in this town anymore. I'm done with this toxic behavior. I'm done with toxic people. I'm done with toxic relationships. I'm done with my own toxic shit. I don't have room for it anymore. We're moving to Kelowna. <laughs> Didn't exactly know how that was going to happen, but but we did it. We're now we like it. right now we're sitting in our kitchen in our house in Kelowna. We've never been happier. Scariest move we've ever made. For sure. Yeah. Scariest move we've ever made. And it's funny because I've heard like people have said to me, like, I never understood why you wanted to leave Prince George until I listened to your first two episodes. And it wasn't that I was running from anything. I really feel that I did the hard work and you did the hard work. And we closed that chapter of our life in a really respectful, timely way. Like we didn't pack up and run. We literally did the work. We made peace with everything. And it was time for me to say goodbye to not just the toxic relationships that we had gotten ourselves into or the toxic traits that you and I had picked up, but also just the pain of seeing the places that I lived with my mom or the places that, you know, my abusers would take me to or driving past. Their, like it, it was really triggering in so many ways. It's not that I hate Prince George. I just hate the things that happened to me there. And I think leaving was so important. No, for sure. Especially like, I don't even think I realized it when we would drive around or we would do the day-to-day -day running around and your mindset would change just for, just for a minute. But even if we passed a certain place that I wasn't aware of or, and you just kept inside, but your, your body language or your, your mood would change sometimes. And it also depended on how you were feeling that day. Like things didn't always add up to me. So it was hard. Some days were harder than others and getting out of there. I mean, I still have lots of good things to say about Prince George. I, I still like going back. I have lots of work there. I enjoy who I work with. I enjoy what I do. And that's, it's still a wheelhouse for me. It still fulfills me when I go there, but I'm loving where I'm at. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I am too. So just to give some advice to anybody who's listening that is finding it hard to kind of go through this process with a partner, like what do you do to kind of get yourself through it so you're able to show up for me on those days that I'm really not able to show up for myself? I'd like to think it like I try and my biggest thing is I try and routine. I mean, summer's hard for routines, but if it's if it's not that, it's just being outside or being present or just getting up every morning and starting my day, um, getting up at the same time every morning, whether it's summer or not, I try and get up at the same time. That's, that's a big thing for me. Cause if I sleep in or if I do anything, it just, it sets a tone for the day. Actually, I used to disagree and argue with my brother-in-law and my sister about, um, how important it was to move every day. And I don't think I realized that cause I always made an excuse. So oh, I got to go to work. I got to do this. I got to do that, which is some of the, sometimes it's, it's very valid. Like sometimes you have to, you've got to well, be Well, your somewhere. job is really physical. Yeah. And it's definitely, I mean, I'm on the phone more, so it's definitely changed, but moving and being active and either working out in Peloton or going to the gym or doing anything like that. Um, it changes everything. It helps me sleep at night. Um, it changes my vibe throughout the day. It's, I think it's so necessary. So I stand corrected. <laughs> I fought for that forever, but yeah. I've, and um, other things, even therapy, going, speaking with someone, haven't always had someone to talk to. I've got some close, close friends that sort of are, have gone down this road as well. And speaking to him was was so eye-opening. I think I used to look at it from the, from the outside looking in. I did not understand it. And now I understand a lot more. Um, another thing I do is writing things down. Um, my mind gets overrun with thoughts. I can't sleep at night. I can't relax. I can't do anything. So I try and literally write things down and it changes everything where I don't have to remember something. I'm not going to fear that I forget about something the next day. And those are just some huge points for me. And then just being present and hard as it is not being on my phone, but hanging out with you guys. I've actually taken a role of cooking more dinners than I ever used to. Oh, you're so good now. And I actually enjoy it. Well, acts of service is my love language. So you've become very good at that. Like when you pick up and make dinner, I'm like, I've never loved you more. Like I feel so loved and taken care of when you do that. But it used to be so overwhelming. So I didn't know where to start. Oh yeah. This is the guy that like couldn't make a salad. Like you'd be in full panic mode and you're like making whole meals from like Tori Wester's like fresh food, like cookbook. Like you literally are doing so good. She has helped me out a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you to Tori Wesser. So funny. And one thing actually I wanted to touch on that I think is really important to for couples to hear that are probably struggling with this is that if you're with somebody who's been through sexual abuse, whether it's as a child or when you're older or whatever it is, you know, that sexual trauma can be really hard later on in life when you are trying to have an intimate relationship with your partner. And that's something that we have struggled with. Like you sometimes are afraid that you're going to trigger me and you're afraid to like hug me or do whatever. And it's become easier, obviously, as we've healed, but like that is such an important part of a relationship as well. And I know that that's been hard on both of us. For sure. And I mean, talking about that's even hard, but it's sometimes we're worse than others. It just, and it doesn't go for it. It can go from month to month or season to season. It's not just day to day or anything like that. It's just, it varies. It varies. And depending on how you're being triggered. But I think like the takeaway is like how normal that is. Like it's not 
abnormal. Like you're actually very normal if you guys are going through something like that or if you're feeling triggered by intimacy because you've been through some sort of sexual abuse of any kind at any age. It can be really triggering. Yeah, exactly. And, and what so what would be your advice to partners that are trying to navigate that and stay patient on the other end and worried about triggering them or hurting them emotionally or you know, giving them flashbacks because we've dealt with that as well. Literally communicate, talk about it. And it's a hard conversation to have, which hard, we've learned. Yes. Yeah. But we've also like for anyone who's listening, like if you've been sexually abused and you are trying to be intimate with your partner, like flashbacks are a real thing that you and I have I have dealt with, but you and I have had to navigate. And you're right, like communication is everything. Like it's such a hard and scary conversation, but it is so normal. You there's nothing wrong with you and it can be fixed. It's it's not a life sentence. Yeah. And I mean, I'm on the other side of it where I don't have that. I don't have the flashbacks or anything. I'm just trying to deal with the fact that is something I'm doing making you uncomfortable. And that's, I mean, it's, it's hard in itself to get through. Mm -hmm. And I think too, just like sometimes not knowing, like being like, oh, it's fine. And then suddenly it's not like, it kind of comes out of nowhere. And that can be really hard to navigate for somebody on your side of it. Really hard. Yeah. 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 But you're, you're not, there's nothing wrong with you and it can be fixed. I promise you it can be fixed. Yeah. Early on in in the last year and a half when I decided I was going to dive deep into healing and I'm taking I'm getting on in therapy and I'm doing all these things, your fear was who I'd be on the other side, which is actually like a real fear, right? That I think a lot of people listening can probably relate to like I was a different person on the other side of this. I don't actually even recognize that person I was before. I'm not her. And that was a real fear for you. And I think that that's a fear for a lot of couples going into something like this is like, who am I going to get? Are they still going to like me? Am I still going to like them? Will we still work together or will this be it for us? That I mean, that that even came with medication. It came with everything, like the fear of the unknown. I had no idea how, what the changes were going to be. I had, I just basically had to roll with it. And the more I learned, the more I did my own searching and my own therapy and my own just realizing more what my routines were and stuff. It, it helped me so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like now it's funny because talking about moving away from Prince George and those fears, my fear was if we stayed you will lose me because I knew that I could no longer be who I wanted to be in that environment. So we packed up, we made the decision as a family. And honestly, like, I think it's the best decision we've ever made. I mean, hands down, but my biggest fear was the day to day from my job. Will I have stuff to do? I clearly, I have more stuff to do here than I ever thought. Like I'm constantly busy. Um, My other biggest fear was my daughter. Uh, she stayed behind with her mom and I didn't know what that was going to look like. And that actually took a lot of therapy and a lot of talking and a lot of trying to figure out and talking with her, but she's, she's loving life. Um, she's got a great group of friends. She's busy with sports and volleyball and, and she's got a, she's, comfortable. She's not going back and forth anymore. She's not worried about her parents bickering over silly things. It's just, it's so much better. And for me, I didn't really realize how that was going to look and people can make judgments from the outside, but it, 
they, they're not living it. That's just it. People do make judgments about things on the outside. And I actually point, posted something on Instagram the other day on the Invisible Scars um, Instagram page about how important it is to be kind to everybody because you literally know this much. I'm holding up a teeny tiny finger about somebody's life. And like when you think about the judgments, because we've faced that for a long time, which has stopped our, stopped my healing. It has stopped me moving forward with my life in the past. It stopped you from doing things. It stopped us as a couple from being what we want to be. Like, how do you handle people's judgments now? Like, where are you at today and how you cope with that? Honestly, people can say and do whatever they want, but really it has no no effect anymore. Like it used to, it used to cripple you. Yes. And now I, I honestly look around and I did something right. (laughs) I got to be honest. Totally. It's funny because it takes you so many years to learn to not give a fuck about what people think of you. And once you go through the healing process, mine, you had your own healing journey throughout this as well. And once you're kind of like to a certain point, it's almost like a veil's been lifted and you're like, I really don't care anymore. Like you just want to live your life the best way that you can and do things that make you so happy. For sure. And I mean, I know you, I don't know if this is the right time to bring this in, but what you always say to tell your younger self and that's don't hold yourself back to please others. I've, I don't think I really realized what I would ever tell my younger self until going through this. And it's just something I learned along the way. Stop trying to please others. Live your life. We talk about that so much in this house. And it's something that we like honestly pound into our children. Like, do not care what anyone else is doing. You do you. If doesn't make you happy, do it. Like, honestly, that is the best thing that you could tell your younger self. I would have to agree. That's what I'm going to say too. That's what I would tell my younger self. It's, yeah, it's everything. So, to anyone who's listening, what would you say? If they're afraid of their partner trying to heal, to go to therapy, they're afraid that they're going to outgrow, outgrow them, leave them behind. What would you say? Honestly, I would say don't have them do it alone. Just meaning like you will honestly have your own shit to fix. Everybody has, everybody has their own vices, their own hangups, their own shit they've gone through that they don't even realize. And it doesn't have to be major. It doesn't have to, I don't know. I've listened to a lot of these talking about big T and little T. I don't understand all of that, but it doesn't even have to be trauma related. It just can be the trenches of living life and talking about that or processing that with someone who's actually willing to listen and not judge you for what you've gone through. And to be there for someone, the biggest thing is listening. That's, that's, the hugest takeaway from this. Wow. Who knew that you were good on a podcast? I'm not... <laughs> I think you just hit your stride, but Peter said. Yeah, who knew you'd get me on here? <laughs> I That's beautiful. And it is so true. And you honestly have done such a good job of being that for me in the last year. And I haven't always been capable of standing up and being that for you, but we've gotten to such a good point now and it's give and take, right? Like we also do this thing where we talk about where we're at. And when we're having a bad day, I'm like, Brent, I'm at 10%. And you're like, that's today. I, today you were like, it's okay. Cause I'm literally at 95. Like, so we go on a hundred percent scale and you can never be everything at once. And 
that's how we kind of pick and choose how we pick each other up or how much slack we pick up for the other person emotionally or around the house or whatever. And I think it's really, really important and it's communicative. Like, I love that we do that. Like the other day you were like, Jess, I'm, I'm literally at 5%. And I'm like, it's okay. I got you. Like I was at 15, but I can bump up to 20. Like it's, we, we do our best. And I think we've learned so much. Yeah. This lets you know where the other person's at without saying, holy hell, I'm having a bad day. Like, it's just, it just gives him just some, some clarity. Yeah. It's like when you wake up in the morning after a bad night and you're like, I didn't sleep all night. You're like, well, I didn't sleep all night either. I woke up at two. Well, I woke up at one. Like we, it's like a competition for who has it worse. But with this, I think it, you're right. It gives us a visual of like where you're at so that we can step up for the other person and maybe give them a bit of grace and not be so reactive. Like, yeah. I, I love that we do that. Because being reactive sets the tone for the rest of the day for the entire household. I know I've learned that. <laughs> totally. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Maybe you'll come back. Maybe. Never know. <laughs> thank you so much for joining me today. I hope that today's episode provided insight, inspiration, and comfort to anyone who is dealing with the effects of trauma. Remember, you are not defined by your scars and you are not alone in your healing journey. If you enjoyed listening, please make sure to rate, review, and share this episode with a friend who could benefit from listening. We'll see you next week. Bye.